Good morning, New Horizon. Welcome. We're very happy you're here with us today or on our live stream, either on Facebook or YouTube. Typically, one of the pastors welcomes you, but this morning I get the privilege because we're doing pastor appreciation. Uh, the month of October is dedicated to just kind of thinking about what the pastors do, how they live, 24-7 for all of you. Um, you may not realize it, but there's even when they're off, they're not really off. So we want to take a moment. If our pastors will come forward, perhaps. <laughs> Probably off. <laughs> pastor Rafe is our senior pastor, and... Um, <clears throat> He tries to keep us under control most of the time. Not terribly good at it, but that's okay. We love him anyway. Pastor Peyton is in charge of our uh, youth, and um, right now we've got a huge feeding mission going on. I'm sure you've heard of it, Nourishing Lives, and she stays really busy with all of that. Pastor Lisa is our all-the-time pastor, all-in, and um, she handles our studies and our programs. So if you're looking to get into Bible study, there's the bed. And, um, we totally appreciate all three of these. Now, if you would bow, Michael's going to say a little prayer and then we'll begin worship. <laughs> if you would bow your heads, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Those of you that are watching, if you bow your heads. Those of you, could you just stand with us as we just enter in a moment of prayer? Lord, we thank you for our pastors and we thank you, God, for all the workers that are working so hard in this ministry to make glory and bring glory to your name, Lord. We just ask you, God, that as we go into this service this morning, that your presence will be here with us, Lord. Your anointing will fill this place, God, and your spirit will overflow. And that when we leave this place, we will leave better than the way we came. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. amen. Thank you. The Lord is worthy to be praised. Is that amen?
God, we thank you that you have um, allowed us this sacred space and time, and we come here with expectation, expectation of your coming, expectation of hearing you speak to us a word for our lives that is new and renewing, expectation of being challenged and changed. But Lord, if we're honest, we are people of many distractions. We're pulled in different directions. We respond to multiple and often conflicting needs and ideas. 
Grant us rest as we rely on your provision and faith as we trust in your grace. Quiet our spirits so we may hear your spirit speaking to us. We thank you for the gifts of Sabbath and worship, for a space and a time to set aside everything that tugs at us and instead focus our hearts and our minds on you. Draw us more deeply into your presence. We lay aside any expectation of being entertained, of being made comfortable, of being served rather than serving others. Your kingdom is near, and you have entrusted to us, your church, the responsibility of exemplifying the love, forgiveness, justice, compassion, and peace that are signs of that kingdom. May we embody your kingdom with faithfulness and joy, we pray. And we do this as your son taught us to, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
we share with you a little bit of a mission moment, not um, to tell you what you have to do or don't do, but to give you opportunities to join where we're already praying and engaging and serving and giving. And um, today's mission moment is one that you might not have ever heard of from the pulpit before. Um, we have a, what we call a Samaritan fund. And what that is, is if somebody kind of stops by the church, I'll give you one example, a woman who was driving around trying to get to her daughters and she got lost and she had to get home to Miami but she had no gas in her car. And so we were able to give her a little money to get gas to go home. Um, someone who can't quite pay the, that little bit extra on their electric bill or their water bill. And so at the office we try to make sure to meet those needs. And how we had been traditionally collecting those funds is when we were coming on communion and kneeling at the rails, people would leave a little bit of cash on the rails because of COVID and because we're now worshiping virtually and not as much in person, although there are people here, um, that fund is terribly depleted. And as you can imagine, it's well needed in these times. So if there's a way that you can contribute to the Samaritan Fund, you can do that online, you can do that by leaving it on the altar if you're here in person. Um, one more way that you can show our community the love of Jesus Christ in their lives. Good morning, good morning. I'm Pastor Rafe, and uh, happy to share with you the, uh, the good news today from the Gospel of Mark in the, uh, in the 10th chapter. So uh, James and John, Zebedee's sons, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> I know, you just... You, 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 uh, who would have thought of going up to Jesus and going, you know, I want you to do what I, what I ask you to do. You know, this, this, uh, this is quite a bold request, isn't it? And here's Jesus' response. What do you want me to do for you? They said, allow one of us to sit on your right hand and the other on your left when you enter your glory. Jesus replied, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or receive the baptism I receive? We can, they answered. We can. And Jesus said, you will. You will drink the cup I drink and receive the baptism I receive. But to sit at my right or left hand isn't mine to give. It belongs to those for whom it's been prepared. Now when the other ten disciples heard about this, they became angry with James and John. Jesus called them over and said, You know, you know that the ones who are considered the rulers by the Gentiles show off their authority over them and their high-ranking officials, order them around. But that's not the way it will be with you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be slave of all. For the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. Amen. And amen. Oh Lord, help us to recognize your servanthood as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. Hi, good morning. I'm Pastor Rafe Vigil, and I'll be your preacher today. Is there anything I can start you off with? <laughs> 
How, how am I helping? Perhaps you prefer a, a little joke to start with. You know, or, or maybe you would uh, like a, an analysis of Scripture and, uh, and the Scripture content. Our special today is historical context. Would you like some of that? I'm Pastor Rafe. How can I serve you today? What can I start you off with? You know, what do you want me to do for you? Those words of Jesus kind of catch you, don't they? I know we all were kind of caught like disciples, you know, being blunt enough. It's like, hey, do what we want. And Jesus saying, well, what can I do for you? It sounds like Jesus is a waiter, right? It's like, it's like a waiter. Well, a waiter is a, what do we call them? Servers. You know, they're there to serve. And that's what they're all about. So, uh, hi, I'm your server. What can I serve you? is the greeting, is the response. And so here we have Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of God's kingdom, the creator of all the universe saying, how can I serve you today? What do you want me to do for you? How can I help out? How can I make your stay with us a little more pleasurable? Jesus is talking like a server, like a servant. And actually, that is what he is all about. He's all about being a server and a servant. James and John comes to Jesus and they say, look, we want you to do what we want. And what we want is we want, you know, you, you know when the revolution happens, you know, and you come into your kingdom and you come into leadership and we, we overthrow the, the powers that are there and you come into your kingdom, you know, we want to lord it over them. We want to be the guys at the right and the left. We want to be noticed. We, we want to be recognized, you know, as, as the two that were with you from the beginning. You said, you know, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And we were with you. And we do all this revolution, revolution stuff. And we turn things over. And you come into your kingdom. We want to be the guys that are right there. We want to climb the ladder. We want to show that uh, who we are. And we want people to notice. We want people to recognize that we're the ones at the right and the left. That's what we want. That's what we're looking for. Jesus, can you do that for us? Can you put that out before us? This is a form of envy, isn't it? This is a form of envy because the thing is, they're noticing what is valued in the culture what the culture looks at. They look at the leaders and the rulers and, and that sort of thing. And so if that's what the culture values, we want to look significant in the culture. It's a, it's a form of envy. It's a form of desiring what others might desire. You want people to see you in a certain light. And it's not about the revolution making a whole new order, but just like we're going to take over now and we're going to be the ones at the right and the left. It's a desire of wanting the things that the culture around you has. That's what James and John were, were all about. That's what they're looking for in this. And Jesus has to address this. Because now there's conflict within his own group. You know, we're angry with you. Some of us want to be at those seats. You know, what's it going to look like? And Jesus just says, hey, you're wanting the things that the world around you wants. You're envying. You're envying, and Jesus addresses this. He says, this is the way the world works. This is the way the culture works with these leaders that rulers and order you around, all that kind of stuff. But this is the way we're going to work. Has that kind of envy ever caught up in you? I know it has for me. I know it has for me that here it is, pastoral confession time. I know we're, we're, we're recognizing pastors, and you say, you know, this is pastor appreciation, and here's the pastor going to, going to confess his pastoral envy. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I served a church one time that had what I called sign envy. Uh, I, I went to pastor this church, and it was a church that had been there for a while, nice, beautiful, traditional-looking building uh, kind of thing. But they had this great big sign out front with lights on it and all that kind of stuff. It was a modern-looking sign and fairly new, and this big old sign. I said, what in the world is it with this big old sign out here? It, you know, and you've got this very traditional architecture of a, of a church and you know, the big white doors and the steps going up and you've got this big giant sign with lights out front. And they said, well, 
we wanted to be sure that people saw us because the Baptist church across the street put up a big sign with lots of lights on it. So they had this, they had this sign envy that was going on. You know, and so, and so, um, and it was, that happened at a time in my life when um, I had been in the ministry long enough to have a little bit of experience and to have done it. And some of my, my peers, some of my contemporaries, some of my generation of coming into the ministry were beginning to get these uh, appointments that were becoming fairly large and recognized, you know, around our state and even around the country. Some of my uh, friends were now put into places where the communities were exploding, and so the churches exploded, and some of them, other friends of mine were getting these churches with really cool ministries and really uh, forward-thinking things that were happening, and some of them were writing books, and their books were getting published, and I was like, you know, this is my generation. I'm just like them. Maybe I should get one of those grand appointments. You know, in the 90s and the 2000s, you know, those big megachurches were kind of the thing going on, you know. And, uh, and, I, and there was a part of me that envied that. I wasn't getting noticed, you know. Other friends of mine were getting these positions of leadership in our United Methodist Church where they were getting noticed and they were having roles where they were in front of people all the, the time. And so there was this explosion around of some grand churches, and I was coming up of that generation that was getting appointed and assigned to these grand churches and these grand ministries. And what was I given? I was given conflict and dysfunction. <laughs> That's where I was assigned to. Uh, a couple, three times I've been at churches with conflict and dysfunction. Um, and I've served churches with years of no raises and finance meetings that only focused on scarcity and what we couldn't do. And here I was, I was envying all the other things that everybody else was doing. And I seemed to be sliding under the radar and nobody was noticing. Um, I decided, you know, maybe I'll write a book, you know. And so I wrote the first chapter of a book and I put it down and I started sketching out the, uh, the rest of it. It was going to be about teaching youth and, and that confirmation kind of experience and helping them come. And, uh, and after a little while of putting it down, I went back and I read the first chapter I wrote and I thought to myself, I don't want to even read this. <laughs> Nobody else is going to want to read this either. You know, and so, you know, I had this going on in my heart. Um, but then I began to notice as I reflected on it, you know, I wasn't getting that because that wasn't what I was working for. And then I noticed some of my friends working way too hard, and I wasn't going to work that hard. Um, I enjoyed coaching Little League and spending time with my family, and, um, and I was going to be invested in that. And so I began to reflect on what was actually happening in my ministry. What was at my heart? What was at my heart? What did I really get passionate about? What's at your heart is that same question that Jesus asked James and John. Can you drink from my cup? What's at your heart? What are you passionate about? And then at this church that had the sign envy, one day this young man just showed up to visit. Uh, we'll call him Charles. And he showed up and he was a broken young man. He had been in ministry and then had put it down and left it because of some brokenness in his life. He had gone through a divorce and he was trying to discern his, his next steps and what he would be about. And we spent some time together when I found out he was a visitor and, and, uh, and uh, he was just a young man. I said, okay, I'll spend some time with him and we spent some time together. As things began to fall into place and happen around there, um, and he began to find a little bit more of a sense of his call. He actually became the youth minister at the uh, church that I was serving in. He was into music and uh, was trying to do a Christian recording kind of thing, but he ended up uh, developing this little praise band, and the praise band then launched a new contemporary worship service at the congregation that we were at, and um, he began to work with the youth, and the youth got involved in, in mission, and mission with the migrant workers and the migrant communities that were, that were in that community. And, um, and all of a sudden, his work and the things that he was doing, this, this kingdom stuff started to happen. And I found 
in my reflection that, that what was at my heart, what got me going, what I was built for and chosen for, was not the pastor of a grand church somewhere. But when I saw kingdom work exploding and happening, that was a good thing. And really, all I wanted to do was to help people be better. To help people be better. So in this Charles, we saw ministry and kingdom stuff kind of explode. And then I reflected on the, the fact that a young lady that I coached as a candidate for ministry, actually a second career mom that I coached as a candidate for ministry, and she came into ministry. Now she was leading in some forward-thinking ministries and becoming a district superintendent in our annual conference, and kingdom stuff was exploding. I found that what I really enjoyed was just watching people that I'd worked with do really well. I found this, this friend of mine that we were going to partner with a, a ministry of, of caring for children in an orphanage overseas, and so I found this ministry and introduced it to my wife, and the kingdom started to explode, and going in the Dominican and caring for young people and young men, and my wife has Latin young men all over her Facebook page calling her all the time. But I found that I really get excited about the fact that when I see the kingdom exploding in other people, that is a great thing. What's at your heart? What's at your heart? What stokes your passion? Can you drink from that cup of Jesus? You don't know? That's okay. If you don't know what's stoking your heart or what your passion, you don't know what cup you're being asked to drink from, that's okay. We're all in that boat, and we're all in that boat over and over again in our lifetime. That's okay. So then the question becomes, how do we discover, how do we discern what cup we are to drink from? How do we figure that out, that what's at our heart? Pray, give, serve. That's all it takes right there. Pray, give, serve. Prayer, and you know, I know many times we think of prayer as just putting our heart out there to God and telling God and maybe being like James and John and saying, this is what we want you to do for us, you know, and here's my stuff. But prayer is also that listening to God, that paying attention to God's movement and the Holy Spirit's movement and, and listening to what God has for your heart and paying attention to, to where you see the kingdom exploding around you and, and how God is calling you to be in that. You, you, you listen and you watch and you reflect. That's all part of prayer. Prayer isn't just us talking. That's a one-sided conversation. Prayer is paying attention to the, to the movement of God, to the voice of God, to the whisper of God, to the nudge of the Holy Spirit that moves through your life. Give. Giving is at the very core of this. Because here's the thing. The scripture says it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So invest your treasure in some kingdom stuff. Invest your treasure. Give that money to kingdom stuff and make it happen. I work on the board of the Florida United Methodist Children's Home. My wife likes to keep telling me over and over again, this is a volunteer thing, this is a volunteer thing you know, that I'm working with the Florida United Methodist Children's Home. But to be on the board of the Children's Home, one of the first things they tell you is, one, we expect you to serve on committees that help make things happen, and two, we expect you to give. We expect you to give. If you're going to be on the board of the Florida United Methodist Children's Home, give your money. Put your money into that, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so give. You pray, you give, and here's the other way you figure out what's at your heart. You just do it. You just serve. You, you practice it and you do it. You try it out. You try it on. You, you do it for a while. You see if that's what feeds your passion. Can you drink from my cup? You've you got to try it. You've got to take a sip every once in a while, and you've got to do that. And yes, 
there will be struggle along the way. James, who asked this question, this encounter, he ended up martyred. He was killed. John had a fairly long life filled with suffering and struggle and hurt and travel. Can you follow? Can you find what your heart was created for? Can you find what God was building you for? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you discover it by practice. Pray, give, serve. You've got to practice it. You've got to do it. You know, Stephen Curry teaches a master class. Now, Stephen Curry is an expert NBA three-point shooter. And that's what he teaches his master class on, on three-point shooting in basketball, for the, for, and he's part of the NBA. This guy has been MVP of the entire league. He is a, he is a champion. His team has, has won the championship, the NBA championship, uh, a few times. And he is the expert of three-point shooters, and he teaches a master class. And you can watch this master class on three-point shooting and how to do that. So naturally, if you go and you watch this master class, you will become an MVP three-point shooter in the NBA, won't you? No, because as much as he can teach and talk about it, you've got to practice. Gordon Ramsay teaches a master class. If we all watched that, we'd all become chefs, right? You know, Dustin Hoffman teaches a master class. We'll take that master class and we'll all be great actors, right? We have to practice it. What is that? Our very heart and who we are in following Jesus, we have to practice it. You can participate online digitally. You can sit here and soak up a preacher reading scripture and babbling. Does that make us a follower of Christ? You've got to practice it. You've got to try it out. You've got to pray and give and serve. Prayer, spending that time with God and listening and sensing the movement. Giving. Giving because your heart will follow what you give. Your heart will follow what you give to. And so you give from your wallet, from your bank accounts, because it intensifies our engagement. And then you serve. And it starts like this. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? The greatness is in the serving. You find your way in the serving. Jesus, the King of kings, the King of the kingdom, came to serve and not be served. The King of kings looks at his followers and says, what do you want me to do for you? How can I serve you today? And so you follow his example by practicing that kind of serving. What's at your heart? What stirs your passion? What makes you pray and give and serve and, and invest in other people? Well, it all starts like this. I'm a server. How can I help you today? Amen? Amen. Most gracious God, we are certainly the beneficiaries of you sending your one and only Son to be a servant to me, to us, to each one. We are the beneficiaries of the sacrifice and the servanthood of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful. Give us hearts that do so much more than leave a tip for the server. But give us hearts that seek for the, the way in which we can follow the server into a kingdom life, a full and abundant life, filled with serving others. Amen. And amen. All right, so...
of course, you know what I'm going to say at this point, right? Pray and spend time in prayer saying nothing and listening. Give. You can give online. You can give in the baskets if you're here on location. There's places where you can drop it. Give. Give to the mission and to the ministry of the community of faith that's doing kingdom work in explosive ways in our neighborhood. And serve. And serve. Serve in the pumpkin patch and engage people. You know, serve with unloading pumpkins. Serve with, with packing. You, you know, actually, um, if you're watching this live, it's like 9.40, 9.45. At 10 o'clock, we're going to do Mission Church. And in our other building, um, if you feel like you need the real master class and you need to hear all this again, for those of you who are watching live here or, or sharing live, um, it'll, it'll play again in our other building. But we're going to have worship around packing and serving uh, food for the nourishing lives. Um, so pray, give, serve, serve in some way. Go out there and do it. And just let your lives be filled with, what can I do for you? What can I do for you today? Let's uh, respond to God also with our song. And so let's, uh, all of us, as we engage in digital, as we engage here uh, present, let's come to our feet and sing of uh, what is better than life.
So when Jesus says to us, what can I do for you? That's better than life, isn't it? That's better than life. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundant and overflowing and full. So go now with the blessing and the assurance that Jesus Christ has come to serve. And to not be served, but to serve. Go now and follow the example of the Lord and the Master of the Kingdom. Amen. Amen.